Thank you for joining the Dark Light Podcast. Here at the Dark Light Podcast, you will find information about the absolute truth. Hang on tight as we go to discover the light in the darkness. Revelation 16, 13. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. It is amazing to me that the specifics of the book of Revelation are so detailed and minute, and yet the masses, the theologians, the pastors, the priests, those who should know better don't I always wonder about theologians who rail on and on about witchcraft and Satanism and the evils of the 666 system And yet, they have no understanding of the dark arts, no understanding of the occult world. The word occult has morphed over time into a word which is used in a very negative connotation having to do with seances and drumming up the dead and speaking to the dead and casting spells and what have you. But the word occult in its pure meaning simply means that which is hidden. The occult, so-called occult arts, in some Christians' view, also encapsulate the martial arts. This misunderstanding of the word occult is a tragic misstep. For when it comes to understanding the book of Revelation, if you do not have a good understanding, an in-depth understanding of what occult wisdom actually is, there is no way that you can decipher the details 
of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation was written in Greek and the manuscripts we have today are exclusively in Greek. Whereas the rest of the Bible, we have bits and pieces of each book in multiple languages so that comparisons can be made so that we can do more than judge the book by its cover. We can compare notes and manuscripts and the editor's side notes and the information that comes to us from many, many different sources which are closer to the original. It must be understood that Jesus the Christ did not speak Greek. So the logical question would be, why is the book of Revelation exclusively written in Greek? Perhaps it was written originally in some other language, and over time, those manuscripts disappeared. We don't know. But most theologians will not tell you this fact. They will not explain to you the most fundamental aspects of the book of Revelation. For instance, the fact that the book of Revelation came so much later than the other Gospels, than the other books of the New Testament, that by the time it showed up, many Christian churches, especially those in Armenia and where the Christian Gospel had first been preached, already had canonized their New Testament Bible. So when the book of Revelation came along, they rejected it. They set it aside because they didn't believe that a book written so much later could actually be part of the Word of God. But over time, the majority of the Christian world has accepted the book of Revelation as being inspired. And so the caveat that it is only written in Greek and that we only have Greek manuscripts to look at when it comes to the book of Revelation has been overlooked by most theologians, most theological seminaries, to the point that we trust theologians to tell us about the occult wisdom, the occult knowledge, as if they were experts in the occult the black arts.
nothing could be further from the truth. And so when we see a verse in the book of Revelation speaking about frogs, three frogs coming out of the mouths of three different people, things, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. This verse is very significant in the light of occult wisdom. In all magic arts which deal with casting spells, we find this idea of toads, frogs, and they're used in a very specific way consistently across different cultures and different genres and all for the same purpose and that is to kill. We know from a scientific perspective that many toads are poisonous. Some of the most poisonous frogs are the size of your thumbnail, but they hold great venom, which can kill you instantly if you're bitten by them. The venom is stronger than a rattlesnake. I have seen personally these frogs. Many, many things about the occult world are misunderstood, set aside, shunned, simply because in the Western tradition, anything with the occult label is considered to be evil from the evil one, satanic, something that we should avoid at all costs. And so most of us do. But when you have been immersed and brought up and taught and trained as a child how to perform these occult rituals, you begin to appreciate the details of the book of Revelation. Three frogs, which were spirits, came out of the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. In Native American culture, it is understood 
that if you want to kill somebody in three days, you catch a frog, a bullfrog, and you put the entrails of the person that you want to kill into the mouth of a live bullfrog, sew its mouth shut, and it is guaranteed that that person will die in three days. In Western modern culture, we laugh at such things. We, 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 we begin to think that we know more because we have science. But it's interesting to note that in the book of Revelation, the Greek word pharmakia, where we get the English word pharmacy or pharmacist, actually literally means a sorcerer or somebody who practices magical arts, an enchanter, a witch doctor. We have many words in English to describe this almost surreal world, but make no mistake that that world is very real and it is controlled by spirits, evil spirits. But in order to understand the book of Revelation, you must have a basic, in-depth understanding of the magical arts. Without it, you can't explain the details of the book of Revelation. In Jewish culture, there is something called Kabbalah. The Kabbalistic arts. Kabbalah is taught to all rabbis without exception. This art is a secret art, an art that is passed down from generation to generation secretly. So that even though today there are many people that claim to practice Kabbalah, they have no idea what they're doing because it's a secret black art. There are many books which are written, which stem and have their origins in the folklore and the information embodied in the books known as Zohar Kabbalah. Zohar, the Book of Light. In Hebrew, the whole entire structure of the Hebrew language is based on Kabbalistic teachings. So that when we see the book of Psalms, chapter 119, written by David, 
the psalmist. Each and every section of this psalm starts with a specific letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And not only every section, but in Hebrew, every line. This is an acrostic. It's what we call it in English. It's an acrostic poem, whereas each line begins with the same letter of that section. So the entire psalm goes through letter by letter the mystical properties of the Hebrew alphabet. The first letter being Aleph. It's where in English we get the idea and the word alphabet. Because we combined in our English the first two letters, alpha, beta, alphabet. This arrangement of letters, which then form words, which then give us ideas, was passed down to the Greeks and to the Romans. The Egyptians had a very complex arrangement for their alphabet, their words, and their magical arts as well. And if you will recall, Moses, the great deliverer of the Israeli people, was trained in none other than the courts of Pharaoh in Egypt. This is the traditional story that is told in the Bible. The word Moses has a similar sound in Hebrew as bulrushes or the sound of water rushing through the reeds. In the story of Moses, he was found in a basket floating on the Nile River. So we must be clear that even from the beginning of the original writings of the Bible itself, the magical arts, the occult, has been an integral part of the understanding of the original writers. By the time we get down to Western theology, Western understanding, that information is mostly lost. Second Corinthians 11 verse 14 And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. It must be understood that 
the ideas presented in the Bible, specifically in the book of Revelation, are written in a riddle, in a way in which the message could be preserved over time. The intricacies, the details of the story, of the vision itself, was for a later time, 2,000 years later. And so the writers of the Bible, the writers of the vision, John the Revelator, he made a point of nuancing the details in such a way that you must first understand his perspective. And in that context, unravel the mystery of the vision itself. Very few theologians take the time to do that. Very few theological seminaries take the time to understand the context of the verses, of the chapters, of the book itself. The book of Revelation, like the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, were written specifically for a much later time, a way in which the whole history of the world could be encapsulated in a small visionary system, which was portrayed by the prophet Daniel and by the revelator John to give us the details so that we could understand what was going on at the end of the world, at the end of all time. This isn't as if these events happen every 10 years or even every 20 years. but rather they happened once in their totality. They have multiple potential applications, but in reality, at the core, these events can only happen at the end of all things. Jesus the Christ 
emphasize the fact that this gospel, this good news, which is taught by Jesus the Christ, by his disciples, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world, to every tongue, nation, and people. And then shall the end come. Most theologians today do not emphasize the end of the world, the end of the age, the demise of all things. Instead, they feed us a storyline which is not supported by the Bible itself. A storyline that says the church will escape the tribulation. The church won't have to go through the time of trouble. The church will be raptured and taken away from all things horrible and all things bad. The Antichrist will only rule over scum and lowlifes and other people that just weren't smart enough to become Christians. The sad fact is this theology is completely made up. It's a lie. It's a fabricated pipe dream which is not supported by the word of God. Make no mistake, God is not mocked. The Holy Spirit has been sent to guide our minds into all truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ warned us that there will be many false Christs and many false prophets, many false teachers, and we are not to follow them. But rather, we should study the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The words that proceed out of the mouth of the false prophet, the mouth of the beast, the mouth of the dragon, that old serpent called Satan, identified as such, in the book of Revelation. Those words are lies because the devil is the father of lies. And anyone, whether they be theologians, pastors, priests, or even the Pope himself, when they make statements which do not adhere to the Word of God. 
the Bible, the truth, as it is in Jesus the Christ. They are under the influence of the three false spirits, the three frogs that were sent out to deceive the entire world. Frog magic, it's lethal. Revelation 13, verse 16. It, the beast, also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. We must understand that this chapter, this verse, is one of the most debated, argued over, misunderstood verses in the entire Bible. What does it mean to receive the mark? of the beast. It is very important that we pay attention once again to the details. This mark is specifically in the right hand and or in forehead. Many theologians, many people believe that this mark will be some sort of computer chip, some sort of tattoo, some kind of physical mark, which will be given to every person in the world. But that is only a surface understanding of what the text, what the verse actually says. When we understand the nuances of what John was trying to explain, the deeper meaning, the reality which was hidden in a metaphoric construct brings to light the two things that we have today white-collar work and blue-collar work. It says that no man will be able to 
buy or sell. This phrase, buy or sell, could be translated as the word work or employment in English. Indicating that your employment, your ability to buy or sell, as in make money, your employment will be linked to your forehead, white collar work, or to your right hand, blue collar work. To the translators who were extremely, what would we call it, uh, like trying to understand what they were translating thousands of years after the fact of the actual written document, the manuscripts themselves, they brought to the table their own preconceived notions, their own superstitions. And they wove those ideas in between the words and the verses and the chapters as they translated. Many theologians today insist on a verbal, plenary type of inspiration for the Bible as if God controlled not only the fingers and the hand and the pen of the original writers, but every person that came after, including the translators themselves. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible teaches that holy men of God spake as they were moved or carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is much different than what translators do. Translators merely compare manuscripts, different versions of manuscripts with each other, and then try to decide how to translate that idea into whatever language they happen to be translating in, whether it's English or Spanish or Dutch, German, and with that translation process, a little something is gained or a little something is lost, but the idea remains the same. We hope, we think, we believe. And this is why it is so important to compare Scripture with Scripture. If we just look at one verse, we can potentially be misled in our theology. We can be misled in our ideas of what constitutes the truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. But when we read the entire Bible, when we read chapter and verse and books, there are 66 books 
in the Protestant English Bible. Which brings up an interesting point. There are people that believe that the Bible was written originally as a book. Nothing could be further from the truth. Even the scrolls of the Hebrew Bible, the Tanuk, are written line by line without verses, without chapters, without really any books. They're only isolated as books because of the scroll structure. And we call the separate scrolls books. But they're in fact merging information from multiple sources, multiple writers, prophets, teachers, mystics. We must understand that by the time the translators come along, even thousands of years later, and begin to look at these manuscripts, they bring to the table their own preconceived notions, their own ideas, their own superstitions. Case in point, most people do not know that when the King James English Bible was being translated, the translators decided to use a old trick, an old method of inserting words into the manuscript itself in such a way that the meaning of the manuscript, the idea presented, remained the same, but there was something unique about the particular words that were being inserted in that particular verse. If you look at Psalms 46, it is said that Shakespeare, the great playwright, had a birthday. And while the translators of the King James Bible were doing their work, they decided to honor Shakespeare's 46th birthday by inserting Shakespeare's name into the 46th Psalm. How could they do this, you ask? Well, it's quite simple. Using something called notoratakon, which is a mystical way in which rabbis who study the Hebrew Bible manipulate letters and words. The translators in translating Psalms 46 counted each word as the psalm progressed and when they got to word number 
46, they inserted the word shake, as in the mountains shake. And then when they completed Psalms 46 and the translation of it, they started at the end of Psalms 46 and counted the words backwards. And when they arrived at the 46th word from the end of the psalm itself, they inserted the word sphere, as in the world is a sphere. And when you see those two words together, 46 words in and 46 words backwards, the word that creates itself is Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Oh yeah, the translators did that. And yet there are theologians that claim that the translators themselves are somehow inspired by the Spirit of God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Let me be plain. Translators are not inspired. Translators are merely moving the ideas from one language, one written language, to another written language. And in that process, they bring to the table their own misconceptions, their own ideological mishaps, their own superstitions, their own occult wisdom. You ever wonder why the mark of the beast is in chapter 13 of the book of Revelation? The English translators in England were so superstitious of the number 13 that they decided to place this very mystical, horrible story, you could call it, about the beast and the mark of the beast and the 666 number they placed that information in a chapter, chapter 13. How did they do that, you ask? Well, when they divided the book of Revelation up, they decided to cut the chapters at certain places. And in doing that, they included chapter 13 specifically for the mark of the beast information so that by the time we get to the final verse of chapter 13 of the book of Revelation we read here is wisdom let him who reads understand the name and the number of the beast is a number of a man. And this number is 
six, six, six. But if you go to BibleHub.com, in the footnotes at the end of that chapter, you will see that it says some manuscripts have the number 616. Oh yeah, go check it out. So what the translators are letting us know is that some translators, some translations have a different number at the end of that chapter. It's not 666, but rather 616. Now this fact becomes very problematic for those theologians who believe that the Bible is word for word inspired by God himself and that the translators themselves are inspired and never make a mistake because the word of God is perfect with no mistakes. So they say. But then again, they lie. So let's look closely at what are the possibilities of why some manuscripts have the number 616 instead of 666. Most theologians just completely ignore this fact. And they'll look at you dumbfounded if you ask them this question. And then they have lots of rational, irrational answers to give you as to why this discrepancy occurs. But if you look deeper into the understanding and the framework of the superstitious translators of the King James Bible, for instance, you will find that the number 666, when added together using the Kabbalistic method, arrives at the number 18. And when you take it one step further to find the true mystical number hidden in the arrangement of 666, the number becomes 9. So that the number 666 is hidden or hiding another number, which is hiding another number, like a triple secret. And that number is the number nine. But that doesn't exactly answer the question as to why we would find in some manuscripts the number 616. If we understand that the Kabbalistic way of adding numbers together gives us the mystical meaning, gives us the ability to send a spell, somehow embrace and cover our information 
with a lock and key. You will then understand that some translators were so superstitious. So superstitious that perhaps when they saw that number, they wanted to close off the chapter. Because if we look at the number 616, It's 6 plus 6 is 12, plus 1 is 13. And it is in chapter 13. So the translators in Psalms 46 changed, switched words around so that they could insert the word shake and the word spear, as in a sword or a knife, spear, shake spear. And then here again, we see that some of the translators were so superstitious that they wanted to use a Kabbalistic method of closing off the chapter because it was such a scary chapter to them, chapter 13. So they closed it off with the number 13. Of course, there's also the option that translator just got sleepy And instead of writing the number six, he wrote the number one. Although that's not likely, because most of the manuscripts we have today of the book of Revelation clearly indicate that the correct number is 666. Revelation Chapter 13, verse 17. So that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast, or the number of its name. Most theologians overlook this nuance. Employment, work, buying and selling were restricted by a mandate that you either had the mark, which is the name of the beast, or you have his number which is his system when we understand this issue this protocol name versus number we we'll begin to see that the complex nature of the beast, the mark of the beast, the image of the beast must be far more in-depth, more nuanced than just a simple image made out of brass like an idol set up in a corner somewhere with people forced to bow down to it. 
No, this image, this mark of the beast indicates something much deeper, much more profound. And it is in that understanding that we can see that John the Revelator in vision under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was trying to hide some facts that would make sense to people living 2,000 years later. The name of the beast in Latin is Vaticanus. The official language of the Roman Catholic Church is Latin. The word Vaticanus has a alpha numeric equation of 666 and it literally means house of the serpent so we can see that embedded in Revelation chapter 13 that there is tremendous amounts of information being divulged, being held, and that only by understanding wisdom, occult wisdom, black magic wisdom, the wisdom which is from pharmakia, the sorcerers, will we really have the ability to decipher the meaning within the book of Revelation? Make no mistake, Jesus the Christ has warned us that in the last days many will be led away, led astray, will be deceived by the great deceiver, the dragon, the serpent, the devil, Satan himself. But at the same time, do not be amazed that Satan can turn himself into an angel of light. The word Lucifer, which means light bearer, occurs only once in the Bible, and it was transliterated from the Latin Vulgate version of the Bible, the Roman Catholic version of the Holy Bible. This word Lucifer has been transliterated 
into many English words, including lucent, luciferase, and many other words in English. But the meaning remains the same. Light, bearer, like lightning falling from heaven, which is how John the Revelator describes Lucifer, that dragon, the serpent of the garden, Satan, Lucifer. So as we begin to put the pieces together, let's be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The truth, although hidden, is knowable. Until next time, be blessed. And may the Holy Spirit enlighten your mind today. You have been listening to The Dark Light. Thank you for joining us. Please like, subscribe, and tell your friends about the Dark Light Podcast. We would love to have you here each and every day to discover the light in the darkness. Thank you.